Hey, Rockville. It's Susan Pittman. Jamie, Andrea, and I have been super busy with work and raising kids, living life, and we're a little bit behind on posting, but we do have two really terrific episodes to bring you, uh, starting with this one. A little bit of background. In 2018, when I was still president of the East Rockville Civic Association, a small group of my neighbors with young kids came to me and said, hey, Pittman, can you get us a pool? Like a swimming pool. Well, that was a hard no, but I did follow up with, well, what can we do? And long story short, I submitted a community capital improvement project request to the city of Rockville on behalf of my neighborhood for a splash pad. We have one park adjacent to a historic building and a larger one with a creek and wetlands area. So I asked that wherever they put it, that it be designed to fit its surroundings, whether a nod to history or a nod to the creek, whichever park was going to work out best. Mayor Newton was the mayor in 2018, along with current council members, Feinberg and Pershala. They heard me out and ultimately agreed with my points that community supported third places bring all neighbors together regardless of the size and fanciness of their houses, and that an amenity aimed at young families would help keep the east side of town, which is arguably the least expensive side of town where you can still afford a house to buy a house around here, growing and thriving with young, engaged neighbors. And the original crew, joined by a few more families, wrote to the council in support of the project, and we finally, eventually, got the green light on our request, as well as the funding. The city staff went to work and they couldn't have been more supportive and helpful. And then when the pandemic hit, those of us involved responded with understanding and support and moved forward as we could. The design team got the neighborhood involved. The parents of Littles helped make sure that the small, gentle bubblers were at the edges of the splash pad where the tiniest of them could play safely. And we moms of Biggs reminded everyone that ours turn into meatheads after dark and water needed to be turned off in the evenings. All of us worried about the budget, especially in light of the supply chain crisis, etc. Well, on Saturday, May 27th, I got to watch the ribbon cutting on this project and see so many of my neighbors and their kids play in the results of all our efforts. I visited with the mayor and with Councilmember Ashton, who supported the project and helped bring it over home plate hugged and shook hands with the staff and enjoyed my neighbors. Not one of us did all of it, but a lot of us together did something really wonderful and we celebrated that together. And the point I wanna make my friends is that this is good governance. Working together to enhance the quality of life for everyone, working together within a budget, supporting one another and the process through hard times and celebrating the fruits of our labor together. Collaboration, co-accountability, good stewardship of resources, and respect for one another and the processes that keep our city working well. This is good governance. Now, a few weeks ago, before anyone was officially running for city council, Jamie and I spoke to Kate Fulton as part of a loose women in leadership thing theme that we're working on. Kate's the deputy director of the Federal Reserve Board. She works in operations. And as we learned during the interview, she's running for city council. Kate spoke about good governance as her main focus. And I hope we all listen to her in this regard and take seriously the lesson in good governance provided by my beloved East Rockville and our great city. Talking about 
women in leadership and talking with women leaders, and that's why we wanted to have you here tonight. Not to uh, not to grill you about the Federal Reserve, but just about Please. yeah. No, I'm sure you get plenty of that Monday through uh, Friday, five o'clock. Um, but we really wanted to, as someone who is in leadership and government, we wanted to talk to you about your path to leadership and what that what that's been like. Um, you know, before Title IX, we talked to we've we've talked a lot about Title IX lately. But before Title IX, women really couldn't get an education. There's a lot that a lot of limitations to that. And so let's just jump right in. How do you think your life is better because you had opportunities that maybe you wouldn't have had had you been born earlier? Gosh, I appreciate the opportunity to reflect on Title IX. It's I've lived my whole life um, with that right with that privilege. And I think it's foundational um, to opportunity. Right? I, I never had to worry about whether I would be able to get into a college I wanted to get into. I never had to worry um, about, well, this isn't as good as sports, but I played them and I had the chance to do it. Right. Um, so it's honestly hard to imagine a world you didn't live in, but I'm, I'm grateful. I would love to meet him and just rest. <laughs> yeah, Bob Lehmeyer, he yeah. was, he was, he's great. Yeah, he, uh, one of the most famous people who lived in Rockville that nobody had ever heard of. He was really, yeah, so it was nice. He uh, he was very proud of his work on Title IX. And what was interesting, um, just kind of as a side note, if you haven't listened to it, he talked about how proud his daughter-in-law was of his work on that. And then also, he was so proud that his daughter-in-law is a feminist. And I was kind of like, so? But then I realized that when he, before Title IX, if you were a feminist, that was a bad thing. And we just take that for granted now that, you know, it's not a... I think you, you raise a good point. You know, Title IX had the specific legal ramifications that it did. It wasn't a full EPA. But all of those little breakthroughs compound to change culture, right? Um, I could have been a feminist before Title IX, but the, the sort of acceptance and the lack of otherness or strangeness um, was like that intangible contribution. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a great point. That's a great point. Um, so one of the things that Bob talked about is that the even though the ERA did not pass, the Equal Rights Amendment did not pass, just the conversation around the country changed things, made things better. We got better just for talking about it, even though we didn't really pass, even though it didn't pass, um, and we're still trying to get it passed. Is there something in Rockville that you think is an ongoing issue or an ongoing citywide conversation that even if, even if progress is slow, even if we don't bring it home, that we're better for talking about it? Um, you know, progress is slow, you say. I, I, what I appreciate about the way Rockville works is um, that the conversation happens. Um, there, there is an open conversation about balancing the compelling needs of housing and the compelling needs of sort of the historic preservation and the compelling needs of climate and trying to balance them all to get to the right solution. Doing that is slow, but you see it happen on every issue. It, it comes up, um, well, it's coming up right now as you think about budget. Like, how do you meet all of those needs in a, in a resource-constrained environment? And, and they're all in the forefront. Um, 
the one specific issue I'll give you that you're seeing more and more conversations around is public safety. There's there's some transparent conversations happening about, you know, our children being safe in schools. There's conversations happening about, you know, the, the crime that's happening on the street. And the right way to have community policing but more holistic approach to public safety, it's the same conversation that's happening in our country right now. And I think we'll benefit from being honest and transparent as we work through those issues. Yeah, that's a good one. Jamie and uh, one of our other friends who sits in, Matt Perkins, they are on the Community Policing Advisory Board, and they just had a community meeting at Lincoln Park last night. To discuss some of these to issues. discuss and, some of these issues, yeah. yeah. Did you solve them? No, but <laughs> it's an ongoing conversation, right, with each of the different communities in Rockville, because the West End versus Lincoln Park versus Twinbrook are not, you know, have similar but different issues. Um, what do you see as within that crime framework? What are you hearing in the West End as like the biggest area of concern? And I bring that up because you know in Twinbrook where we live, it's car break-ins yep. is a big one. Um, I know in Lincoln Park last night they were talking about like vandalism. Yep. Uh, and so I'm curious in the West End, what what do you see besides the bear? That was good. <laughs> Gosh, the bear. Um, yes, it's car break-ins in the West End. Um, um, you know, kind of, I, I put it in the category of public safety because I think it's a pedestrian issues too. Like someone was hit recently two blocks from me um, in the intersection. Like those kinds of overall public safety issues are what comes to mind in the West End. That's a, I think the car breaks in, break-ins is everywhere. You know, I should I should be transparent about car break-ins. I I had my car broken into when when I was in uh, Lily Gardens several years ago, and credit to the Rockville Police Department, they do a great job. Um, they were there right away, but uh, I, I don't know how you solve that problem, right? <laughs> Just people yeah. going down the street. Yeah. yeah, one of our neighbors uh, they they've moved recently, but the the guy has a work truck for. And had a, it's got a camera in it, mm -hmm. and so I guess he just turned the camera. He backed into the driveway, turned the camera around, because we had had a rash of them in this area, and it got on camera a van with the side door, a panel van with the side door open, slowly like ten miles an hour, and a, just a big group of people, and of course they're all young men, and they're just going car to car. And cars are open, and they're open. You know, they open the door, they take, they rifle through it, they take something out, they toss it in the van. You know, so it, it was amazing to see it on on whatever recording. I know that we don't use film anymore, but it was amazing to see that recording. It's interesting. There, there is so much more footage. So many more people have the ring cameras and the like. Um, I, I'd be interested to know. But I, unfortunately, I don't think that leads to as many actually finding those people. Like, yeah. Uh, we gotta somehow find a way to take that one step further. So I will say this about how I think Rockville's a great community is, while it shouldn't happen, the vast majority of car break-ins is due to unlocked yeah. car doors, right? It still shouldn't happen. I just point that out because I've lived in cities and had my car actually really broken into, like a broken window, because that's yeah. a car break. Does that make sense? Because mm -hmm. so here, crime is good enough that sometimes we forget to lock our cars. Right. Right? You see what I'm getting right. at there? That's true. Yeah. Right. That's true. Um, 
what do they call it? It's like the crime of opportunity. Right. <laughs> or in other cities, you never forget to lock your car because you, you know, crime's, crime's <laughs> right. very serious. And right, so, you right. know, you see what I'm saying? Well, and I realize it's been 10 years, but I came from a place where, you know, we slept with our back door open. Right. Yeah. Our cars were never locked. Our front door sure. wasn't locked. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, so it's just right. perspective, right? Right. One of the things I like about the, the house we moved into maybe three years ago in the West End is we have a garage. And it's nice to, you know, just put the cars. Right. Yeah, true. Very true. So, Kate, what's been your path to leadership? Sure. Um, something that's so strange to be called a leader. Um, so I started out as a lawyer, uh, as a litigator, um, mostly in employment lawyer for about a decade coming out of law school and I really enjoyed the the, um, kind of the strategy of litigation and the, being able to grant, provide advice to folks but I found myself in the federal government working with the operations and administrative side of the house the people that make organizations run right and I realized I was drawn more to that I really enjoyed and got some validation about management and operations I'm one of the rare few, um, and I had some great people along the way that gave me an opportunity in my path there that really took a risk. I, mean, I was an employment lawyer, very narrow focus, and I moved into the mission arm for a while, actually doing consumer finance, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, and, and then I moved into operations. And the real sort of cosmic jump um, happened because there was a void and I filled it. Um, there was a lot of transition happening in the organization. I was um, in the director's office managing a small team. I had four maybe direct reports. And there was a lot of transition. There was a lot that needed done. And all of a sudden, um, over the span of two weeks, I found myself in an executive role managing 250. Went from four to 250. And, and I credit that to being courageous enough um, to see that there was an opportunity, there was a void, there was something that needed doing and stepping into it. And taking that risk led to a lot of recognition, it led to a lot of credibility, and, and there was a leader. And I've been doing it now ever since. So what do you, you've said a couple of really interesting things in a very short span of time. <laughs> so first you, I, I just want to make a comment, you said it's strange to be called a leader, and I, um, it, it, that is hard, yeah. I find. And I don't know, Jamie, is it hard for a guy to you ever think of me, a leader? Have you ever had that? No, you do, right? Because people look at you to make decisions, so that's always <laughs> weird. Yeah. Right. Okay. So I, that's interesting because I feel like all the time, like I'm, I'm not going to get into it now, but I've had to step into a, a great deal of responsibility in a very short period of time at work, and it was... A surprise and so it is like I'm making a decision and I'm thinking on the back of my head oh wow well look at me you know and it's the right decision and it's a good one and it, but then there is that that who me you know that so that was interesting that you said that I mean I will share it sorry on that point um when I made that transition and, and I was and I in reflecting you know I was put in that role because people believed I could do it I had already right. proven myself but I didn't feel that way and um, the first, uh, when I first started in the role, and I was asked to sort of dress the whole team as the new um, 
director of, of that group, I wrote things down on a piece of paper and I practiced the speech. I practiced, I practiced. And I walked up to the sort of podium the microphone. My little piece of paper was shaking and my little sad voice was shaking and I sounded so stilted, right? And, and the words were the words I thought I should say, but the words weren't really mine. And I bombed. I knew I bombed. And I walked, I walked up and I'm a really close friend of mine, a wonderful mentor. I looked in her eyes and she said, you bombed. And she said, it's because you weren't you. Yeah. She's like, you were playing a part. Next time, be you. And, and that's been a, sort of a foundation of how I try to behave, both in my workplace and like, the authenticity. Like, that's what got you where you are. Don't give it up, is what right. I try to remind myself. They liked you. Yeah. It, and that leads to me, leads to the other notes I just took. And you talked about mentorship, about people willing to take a risk on you. Yeah. And people willing, people who um, see things in, other, in others are special people, right? And people who support each other are special people. Um, and so, how two, two things. How do you do that for others? How you... That's quite a gift when people take a risk on you. How do you give that back? And then, second thing, um, what's next? Like, where is your leadership taking you next? Good questions. Um, on how I give it back, first and foremost, I'm not perfect at it, and I don't. And, and I, it is very easy to get caught up in the day to day, just getting it done, completing the task, solving the problem, moving on. To stop and think about the people. Um, that I try, <laughs> and and I and I think honestly sometimes I do have an intentional way. I block time um, once a week. There's an hour of time that is where I make one-on-one -on -one connections. Who do I need to call and say thank you to? Who do I need to call and check in on because I don't know they didn't look so great in that last meeting? Um, who have I seen that either clearly can do more or looks like they want to do more, and what opportunities can I give them? I have to be really intentional about that. It doesn't come naturally, <laughs> um, but I do. And, and I think that's time really well spent. Um, I've made some great personal and professional connections doing that. And and not to mention, you make the organization better, right? That's so true. <laughs> yeah, when we, when we give that hand to others, we really yeah. do strengthen the whole. So what's next? Where is your leadership uh, taking you next, do you think? You know, that's an interesting question, too. I I've, I, I love my job I'm currently in. I've, I've moved around a lot. In, in my professional life, um, never say never, but um, I am where I'm going to be, and I'll continue to do the job I can really well. But what I've come to uh, be thinking a lot more about lately is, like, what about the rest of my life? I've, I've given a lot of time to my career. Um, and shout out to my husband for being amazing at letting that happen and facilitating that and being such a great supporter at home. But I need to look at the rest of my life. You need to be a whole person, right? You need to bring your skills to all aspects of your life. Um, so lately I've been looking closer to home. I've been looking at Rockville and seeing how I might be able to contribute to the city that I love. So um, still thinking that through, but um, there's a city council election coming up, and I'd love to see if I can contribute in that way as well. We hadn't heard that. Jamie, have you heard that there was a city election? No, it's news <laughs> to me. I but that, like opens, that, opens up, <laughs> that opens up a category of questions that to ask, um, unless you have something you No, want. go ahead. So, 
With that in mind, you mentioned you've lived in your home for the last few years, so a little bit more about your time in Rockville. How long have you lived in the city? I have been in Rockville um, since, now you're going to make me think. I have been in Rockville since my son was born, and my son is almost 14. So, so, so what what brought you to Rockville? I'm assuming are you from Maryland originally? Um, no, I grew up in a combination of places, Delaware and Ohio. But um, I went to University of Maryland for undergrad, where I met my husband Eric, and we've largely been here ever since. Okay, so in making the decision where to live, obviously it sounds like you chose to live in Rockville. What brought you? One, what brought you to the city, and what parts of the city have you lived in in that 14 years? Yeah, um, when. I first got married, we lived in DC, and we found out we were expecting my daughter, and we thought, oh my gosh, this small apartment is not gonna be enough. We need to move out. So we moved out the red line to Bethesda. Shortly thereafter, we found out we were expecting my son, and we thought, oh my gosh, this place is too small for two kids, and we can't afford to live in Bethesda. So we moved a little further out the red line and came across Rockville, which appeared, is, and appeared to be a really amazing place to raise um, we, we looked at, at the time, at least, uh, we could stretch and afford a townhouse where we lived right behind the post office when my son was born. Um, then we moved to a house right behind Montgomery College in um, Woodley Gardens. And then just recently we moved directly across from Bella Elementary School. Um, what drove us? Um, it was a combination of two things, I should say this. Um, my husband does not drive. Um, so we needed walkability. Our, our number one criteria when we looked anywhere was we need good public transportation, we need to be able to walk to girls. Rockville offered that uh, so much. We had, our number two cri criteria was good schools. Rockville offers that. Um, and it's in the time that we've been here, we learned that there's so much more it offers as well. So we're glad to be here. So now that, that you've told the story that applies to about 75% of people who <laughs> live here, like going up the red line until yeah. you find the affordable place to live, um, what impact then in that um, endeavor do you want to make to the city? And I say that because I've been, you know, I've lived here long enough to live through a few city elections. And I've come to the conclusion that the vast majority of people who run for city office are decent people who all have a similar vision and intention for the city. So I always ask, what distinguishes you from anyone else running or mm -hmm. thinking about running? And sometimes the answer to that is nothing, which is fine, because the second question is, how are you better able to put things into action to make change, right? Because yeah. oftentimes people run, 20 people will run, all 20 people hold the same exact position, so then I vote for the person who's yeah. going to make the best change. Who's going to be effective. Who's going to be effective, yes. I, I answer those questions as one and the same. Like, what actually does motivate me to be going in this direction is a lot of what I just told you about my background, right? I'm not motivated by um, a strong belief about one single issue. Like, you, you might find that people like so we think that Rockville Town Center is just the end all be all it's critically important do not get me wrong but there are people that are motivated by that or they're motivated by something else in particular what I'm motivated by is simply bringing good judgment 
um, I'm motivated by being intentionally inclusive in getting all the information necessary to make a good decision, any decision, um, and then making it, <laughs> taking into account all factors and making a decision and moving the city forward. Um, I don't mean to say I don't see that now, you do see it, but I think to your point, we all want the same thing at heart for the city of Rockville, for the most part. Um, what we want is people that are effective to actually move in a direction or make those things happen. And in my career, that's been my job, right? I bring, in my, from my legal background, that's what I do. I, I would analyze an issue, what rules apply, what facts apply, what's the right outcome. And then in my current job, sort of running operations, you affect the change that you decided was the right change in the legal. And like bringing those two sort of areas of expertise together, backed by um, a strong commitment to inclusion in that process, um, that's what I, that's what I think I bring. It's a wonky answer, right? Like it's a just a good person answer. I'm not going to give you a sort of long-involved answer about housing, which is important, or anything else, I'm gonna say, you need good government and effective leaders. I've proven to be an effective leader, and I'd love to bring that to my city. You're going to have one more. <laughs> no, go ahead. No, you go ahead. It dovetails into that yeah. question that I just asked. So often when people run, they either want to tackle an issue that they don't think current incumbents or the city staff are tackling or they look at the issues that are being tackled and say I can do better on this issue right you see what I'm I, where I'm going with that so is there an issue that you think the city's not tackling that you think we need to or is there an issue the city's tackling that you think you can do better or go in a different direction you mentioned crime before, but in sure. addition to crime or other than crime, is there another issue you are championing? I hesitate to go down this road because you will expect me to offer you a solution and I don't have one. Sure. But I'll give you a couple. Um, I'll, say, I'll take Oakland Town Center, for example. Um, I think I've heard people use the phrase like death by study. Okay. <laughs> but to your point, that goes to good governance. It does. Well, yes. Yeah. It, um, it absolutely does. You can't make a rash decision. You can't make an uninformed decision. And you can't study something in perpetuity oh. without making a decision. Oh, that was my point. I'm sorry. Yeah. I thought you were trying to say all of this. No. no. I'm like, you know. That's, yeah. that's exactly where I was going. Um, the information is there. The feedback is there. By the way, as a side note, um, if anybody went had a chance to go to the um, engagement and feedback sessions that the planning department did on Rhino Town Center, phenomenally done. Um, I was so impressed by how that team was able to balance having a session that was both engaging and interactive, but also yielded meaningful, actionable feedback. That is so hard to do when they didn't make I took notes to take to work, my work with. Um, now that being said, to your point, eventually make a decision, right? Like, right? Eventually, something needs to be done. And you can't, 
you know, it, you can't be afraid of not doing anything because doing something might not please someone. That's not a way <laughs> to run an organization or a school or a family or a friendship. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I don't use, I'm, I'm not saying that that's exactly what's happening, but there's a perception that that's what's happening, right? Um, and one of the things I talk about a lot in my professional life is risk tolerance. Good enough to make a decision, right? Um, be innovative and iterative, but we also look for friendship. And I think a little bit more of that spirit could have an impact. There are things, I, I wonder sometimes, are there things that Rockville could really be leading on? Yeah. I realize that precedent might not be there from other communities or other small cities like us. But perhaps we could lead on somehow. Perhaps, maybe we could just, you know, take the lead on this. You know, I'll, taking the lead, one of the other things, I'm currently sitting in on the um, Rockville Performance City Academy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's a great program. It's mm-hmm. so great. I've yeah. been talking about it to everybody I saw. The first class was yesterday. I've been talking about it all day. But one of the things that I guess I was impressed by was in a lot of different areas, our city government is taking a, a step in the right direction. A small step. They're, um, what do I mean by that? Uh, I think that they said it was just in 2020. They pulled together what resources they had to do the um, build a community housing development arm. Didn't have it. Pulled together what they could to like focus on that area. Great step. Um, they recently hired a mental health, mental health counselor on the police department. Great step. Um, there was a third. Well, they stood up most recently there with the Jedi program, the Justice, Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion, and hired Tyree. There's all these like um, small steps, and I'm not afraid to take a small step, but it's a lot of small steps in a lot of different directions. <laughs> right, what's the vision? Right. Yeah, what's right. the vision? What's the overall? Wait till you get to go to the water plant. That's the well, best. I was oh about to say the water treatment. The water yeah, treatment plant. That is the best. That's Shout what out. Eric told me. Shout out to Craig Sinanel, Director of Public Works. <laughs> it's the best. Yeah. I remember when um, my husband Eric did that years ago. He did it at the City Academy. And he took my son, who at the time must have been, I don't know, seven or eight, with him to the water treatment plant. Because why wouldn't you? And they both yeah. came back like they were coming back from the amusement park. How excited mm-hmm. they were. That's very cool. <laughs> You'll enjoy that. I mean, the whole thing's good. You'll enjoy yeah. that very much. So I do have a couple of questions, right? Since we've opened yeah. it up a little bit. Um, these are more practical questions. Currently, there are no federal employees, unless somebody's changed employment on the city council recently, no federal employees on the city council. There have been in the past, historically, and there have been people who run. But in my experience, there's, I don't wanna say it's an issue, but sometimes federal employees have just a time issue, mm-hmm. right? Because you're committed to eight, nine hours. Obviously, a lot of the people who've been very successful in council are either self-employed or partially employed. How, how do you think you will be able to juggle that in your position as federal governor, just from a time sure. perspective? Yeah, no, I'll, I mean, I look at that two ways. From a, it's not about the federal employment. Um, it's about being employed, right? It's about it's about can can you have a council member who has a full time job um, be able to be? We know you can. 
Like we have them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we have incredibly busy people with children and really important jobs on hands. It can be done. So one way I answer that question is I'm not worried, I see it happening right now. Um, but another way I answer that question is somebody's got to, right? Like this city is has a, I couldn't tell you the percentage, but probably a really large percentage of federal employees, given where we are and all that. And we're also a lot of people who are fully employed, managing children still in the house. If you're going to represent the population, you got to be the population. <laughs> right. Right. Good point. So the next question I have is, in, in my experience in talking to candidates, um, you know, who have run is when people run for office in the city is the maybe maybe I don't want to say the first time but for some it's the first time where they come to realize that Rockville is not homogeneous when it comes to the different neighborhoods in Rockville and they learn a lot about other neighborhoods so I have found that people who run from say Twinburg where I live know very little about Woodley Gardens and mm-hmm. the issues they face. So a question I have to any candidate, right, running from any part of the city is, are, ha, have you engaged in self-education to learn about some of the issues other neighborhoods in Rockville are dealing with, or do you have a plan on how you're going to educate yourself on those issues, right? Because you do need to pull votes from the entire city. Yeah. No, it's a great question. And I should start by should start by saying, um, when I mentioned running for council, however many months ago that was, um, you all are probably the, I don't know, eighth or ninth people that I've told that to. So I, maybe not exactly that. I am at the very beginning stages. And the 10 people who listen. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Um, and I know that I have a lot of homework to do. I have started doing my homework. Um, uh, you know, I think I've watch the entirety of every city council meeting for the past two months. Um, I call myself a power user of the city of Rockville's website. I think I've been on largely every page. Um, and next up, at, and I've talked to the, the people that I know, but I absolutely, absolutely need to start literally getting out to other you know, neighborhoods in Rockville and talking to people. Open invite to any listener of this podcast to please reach out and inform me about your neighborhood. I had, you know what? I had something in my head and it, it left my head. What is, I don't, oh my God, what was I going to ask? <laughs> it had to do with, oh, okay. This is what I wanted to get back to. Mm-hmm. And we can talk about this in terms of Rockville or just leadership and, and it touches on women in leadership. When you're making a group decision, which is what city council is, um, right? Yeah. It's five people, soon to be seven people, who have to make a decision together. Mm-hmm. Good governance can get nuanced, right? Because consensus is not always the best opinion or the best solution. The solution that comes out of consensus sometimes is magnificent and greater than the sum of its parts, which is why you work by consensus. But sometimes consensus is watered down and mediocre. And sometimes consensus is reached. Um, Sometimes majority 
wins because they're loudest, not because they have the best idea or could they, there's all kinds of things that play into that. So when you're working together, how big a part, when, when, what's, where's the line between we're, we're colleagues, we're going to do this together, we're going to make a good faith effort, we're still all going to be friends after this is over, and you're just simply wrong and you're making a decision that's going to hurt the people of Rockville, or at least not enhance the quality of life for the people of Rockville and the people who want to live in Rockville. So in your experience, where's that line? And then the part B of that is, how do women do it differently? Like, what do we bring to the table? I mean, I have obviously an opinion about that, but I want to hear what you have to say because I have a staff of four and you have a staff of 250. Uh, this, that's such a fabulous question. Um, so, you've heard me say inclusion several times, and that word means a lot of different things to a lot of different people, or it's just a very interchangeable word people use. What I mean in this context is both being and portraying yourself as truly open to hearing other views, right? And and you've got to start there. You also got to start with, we are all on the same team, right? I think, and I um, specifically I'm talking about my workplace, um, my current job, to be sure, but any job, Everyone's going to have a different interest, right? Everyone's going to have their, you're supposed to. But, you know, where I work at the Fed, we're all trying to do the same thing. At the end of the day, we are all trying to ensure safety and soundness in the financial system. And the governance structure of the Fed is um, not simple, uh, more simple, much more complex than a five-member council. <laughs> um, so I have a whole lot of experience navigating in that area. And I think it's number one, make sure you all have the main primary goal aligned, which you do if you're sitting on that body when you've been when you dig deep enough. Two, have priorities. Like like the higher level picture, so you don't get too bogged down in the actionable actionalism of the nitty-gritty. I see that happening sometimes. Mm. Um, here are all the views. I mean, you heard me say this. Here are all the views from all the people. Use good judgment and then have the conviction and the courage to follow through. Um, what does that mean in conversation with fellow council members? Not sure yet. But what I can tell you is um, I joke with people, and it's only partially a joke. The, the only person I think I've ever actually lost an argument to in the past 15 years is my daughter. Oh, I've heard, I have heard of these debate skills. I can be fairly persuasive at the end of the day if, I'm, if I have a conviction that w what I'm advocating for is the right thing. So, yeah. it's a meandering answer, I don't really have it. No, but I think the courage and conviction to follow, follow the whole thing through, right? Not stop short, don't pull the punch if you need to pull the punch. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And don't, at a minimum, don't let the paralysis. Right. Oh my gosh. I haven't heard, we used to throw the word analysis, yeah. paralysis around all the time when I worked in education. <laughs> yeah. So, so let me ask this. So, Rockville is it's a little unique compared to other jurisdictions of similar sizes in that we don't have districts when mm -hmm. it comes to the mayor and council. 
So the entire city is your constituency. Obviously, in any decision, there are going to be constituents who you just don't agree with. How, what guiding lights do you have in deciding how you land on any given decision, realizing that for the most part, there's going to be a, at least 20%, right? 30% of people who are just not going to agree with the outcome. This is a simplistic answer, but it's do the thing that's the greatest good for the greatest number for the longest period of time. Right? Um, I one one of the things that I observed that led me to start thinking this way is I'm, I'm, I live in the West End, but I'll say it: the West End holds more sway than it probably should. Um, and I saw that happening on issues where. The squeaky wheel gets the grease. The loud, the um, you know, the loudest person gets listened to, and ensuring that it's a one Rockville opinion decision on matters um, would be critical. So, to your point about you know which constituency, I wouldn't be looking to make any one particular constituency happy by a decision. I'd be looking to do the greatest good for the greatest number for the longest time. And I think the longest time piece, I, I want to elaborate on that because like I don't I don't I don't want my kids to live in Rockville, right? Yeah. <laughs> I want my kids to live here. And so I don't just want it to be a great place for me today at the expense of what it is in the future. Like I think we should be thinking about the next generation of decision making. Absolutely. My son's a little bit older than your kids, but he's already talking about what he's going to, you know, when he finishes. He's at, he's at West Point, so he's got a military requirement in addition to you know, when he finishes school. But he's already, like, his big dream is to come back and live in Rockville and teach history and coach basketball at Rockville High School. That's, like, his dream. That's what he wants I, to do. I wish. My daughter, she, yeah. she's only a sophomore, but she keeps saying she wants to go to UCLA for college, and I think she picked it solely because it's as far away from me as she can get. But <laughs> She'll come around. She'll come around. Okay, well, here's the really important question. Have you eaten anywhere good lately? Have I eaten anywhere good lately? So, um, yes. My, I'm making this a podcast for my daughter. She recently started hosting at Hard Times. Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. So, um, she loves the job. I love the job because she gets a staff member. She brings home every night. So I've been sa- like sampling everything off Hard Times Bar, mm. um, which I had been to in a long time. But I do think Hard Times has the best buffalo wings in the whole area. Really? Oh my gosh, yeah. Because they fry them and then they grill them, so they get this like char on them as well. <laughs> you can only ever get the chili. Oh my gosh, get the wings from Hard Times, please. Okay, okay. <laughs> On a separate note, I ate at the Z&Z Bakery, which is right next to Hard Times. Finally. Have you eaten there? Oh, many times. It's pretty great. My husband's out of town, so I'll definitely go there at least once before he gets back. Is that, it's twice. like on Washingtonian's list or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was in the top. Bon Appetit. Yeah. Top National, 10 cheap eats. Yeah. 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 yeah, Bon Appetit, one of the best new restaurants in the United States. I was impressed. Whoa, really? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, have you been there? You've eaten there, right? I you feel like there? I have to say yes, but I would be lying. Oh, okay. You have <laughs> it's to right next to our time. <laughs> I know. It's so. now, now you know where you're eating this weekend. <laughs> 
CNC bakery is so good. Yeah. In the summertime, they have cardamom cold brew coffee. Oh, so good. You know, I ate for the first time recently, even though it's been there for four years or 30 years. No. The Mexican place up on the pike in um, the winter, not winter green, but the IHOP. Oh, Richie Center. Richie, right. The Mexican in there. Oh, I which isn't Mexican. It bills itself as like all Latin food. Was it La Lameda? El Mariachi. El Mariachi. So I'm torn because it was good, but it wasn't Mexican. Does that make sense? You know, I have some definitive opinions on this. Okay. Coming from the San Antonio area. Oh, yeah. So... I if I haven't eaten it, I have to be very fair. I have not eaten there in, since like eight or nine years. It's been a long time, maybe maybe six or seven. Years. Have you eaten there? No. Nineteen ninety one. It's been open since. Yeah. Here in Rockville. So it is. So. It is. Mauritania, right? Like yeah. Try and be like that, but it's coming from where that the you know the San Antonio area. That's their food, right? That's the food. Sure. It's really. It makes me sad. Well, it's not Mexican because they have Cuban on the menu. And they oh, have, do they? Yeah, they, they have Peruvian. Oh, okay. That's so, why I said La Lomita. I'm like, what? That's <laughs> when I, when we first, okay, so first Mother's Day in Rockville, that's where the guys took me. And it, it was so awkward because when you go someplace that's Mexican food and it has white tablecloths and the waiters are in vests, it's kind of, and you're from San Antonio, it, it's a, it's kind of a strange thing. And, uh, and the food was not, and I, I don't want to, I hate to do this, but the food just was not good. But to apparently they've updated it. Because it's not good if what they say it is, it's Mexican food. You see what I'm saying? Right. But like it, it's good right. as food. There was no, <laughs> but there was no Peruvian, no, Cuban. Sure, they may have changed it. Eight up or nine there. years yeah, ago. Yeah. yeah, we haven't been back. Yeah. Well, now I will go back. Try it. I will try See, it. if you go and say, hey, I want Mexican food, you're going to be disappointed. Well, if you just I, want food yeah. that's good, it's fine. You know, we had that conversation with family about pizza. Because people talk about good pizza and bad pizza. But there's just different, there's wholly different categories of pizza like sometimes what you want is that whatever the the chain is that gets to you close because that has its place but then sometimes you want the better pizza there are different categories of food so i'm suggesting that maybe like don't try to put it in a box like yeah, yeah. fair enough i'm happy you brought up pizza and this is all rockville central <laughs> i never eat pizza hut but a new pizza hut opened up on rockville pike next to maki the ramen place mm -hmm. you, you, know, mm -hmm. you know what i'm talking about yeah, yeah. and they sent coupons out, I think, to everybody in Rockville. And my wife and I didn't want to cook, and we pulled a coupon. And I called this Pizza Hut. Yeah. Called them. And I tried to, I told the guy, hey, I'll just pay you by credit card for the phone. And the guy responds with, sir, I don't, I, I think you have to pay cash. I don't Whoa. think you can do that over the phone. Which then I said, ask your man. <laughs> And the poor kid, you know, go, you know, puts it on hold, asks his manager, comes back ten minutes later, and he's like, "Oh yeah, I can, we, we, I can take it," and it took him forever to take it, but then they charged a five dollar delivery fee through Grubhub, like it, oh. Grubhub delivered not oh. pizza, so I don't know what's going on with, it's like a weird food delivery is weird. So yeah. it's pizza weird. Hut. When I was in high school. I was a Pizza Hut delivery driver. It was like my second job ever. And on the one hand, it was a fantastic job. It was in middle school. 
you just drive around in your car listening to your late 90s indie rock and right. deliver pizza and right. get dollar bills. On the other hand, I would never let my daughter do that. <laughs> like, right. like, well, those are different times. It's different yeah. times. But I, I bring it up because um, when we weren't delivering, we were making the pizza. It was, it was one of the ones, there was no eat-in. It was just like a little Sure. Um, and I've had trouble eating Pizza Hut ever since because did you know that in their medium deep dish, they just dump, it is a, a cup and a half of vegetable oil just in the bottom. Yeah. Before, and we used to have to measure a cup and a half of vegetable oil, dump it in, and then put the crust on. I never was able to. No, believe me, I had not eaten <laughs> Pizza Hut. Good. I remember it was being good. Well, Maybe I, it's not now. I had but. not eaten at Pizza Hut. Well, you thought it was good when you lived in Texas. Yeah. I, I had not eaten at Pizza Hut since I moved to Rockwell. We just did it because we had the little coupon. Yeah. We're like, oh, I might as well try. No, I'm not going to eat Pizza Hut again for another decade. I, I'm just, I would eat it if I just didn't know that. Right, right, right. 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 Yeah. I just bring it up because it just opened up. Yeah. It was a weird experience. Maybe yeah. other people have different experiences at this Pizza Hut. I get to go to Levant tomorrow. We had the Levant patisserie debate with Matt Perkins. I like Levant patisserie. So I was at Levant for the first time ever today. I did not eat any of the food, but I had an amazing lavender hibiscus iced tea. Yeah, it's good. It's good. They make avocado toast that's really good. They have salad. They have salmon on top. So what was the debate? I'm confused. He didn't like Levant. I'm like, what? He didn't like Levant? You don't remember He's not allowed on the podcast. He can't come back. I had some, I was meeting someone and they said let's meet at the French Bakery downtown. Which one? There's three now. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I'm aware of this. No, but no. Which one? Well, that was. But yeah, I yeah. have to say that. Oh, okay. I, he's like, let's meet at the French Bakery. I'm like, which one? The one in Rockwell Town Center. Which one? Which one? <laughs> oh. And that's when I ended up there. So which one's your favorite? I like the fresh baguette. Yeah, I'm there with you. Yeah. Fresh baguette is good. They, they, it's a little different than the Levant. So sometimes mm-hmm. I go to Fresh Baguette when I want some things and something. Sometimes I go to Levant. Have you had the Kuguma at Fresh Baguette? You probably had it. Just get the Kuguma. It is the best oh, pastry okay. you will ever eat. Wow. You know, I know which one you're talking I had to flip through the middle file cabinet. I do remember seeing it, but you're right. I haven't tried it. Have you guys been to the brand new one yet? No, I haven't. I walked past it on the way to work. When you say the brand new one, which one? Because there's a Greek bakery opening up. There's a Paris Paris baguette. Paris Paris baguette. My colleague went to get lunch because they have sandwiches, and he said the sandwiches are prepackaged. But the pastries looks like they're making the pastries there, and the pastries look very fresh. He just wasn't up for a pastry lunch. Mm. So he's going to go back. Where's the Greek bakery? It's opening up. Like this weekend, I think they're having their grand opening. It's yes. right in Twinburg in the industrial okay. area behind the Safeway. Okay. I heard about that one too. Yeah. yeah. So, no, no, lots of new fun places. Yeah. Always. Oh, it, you, it's a, it just, Rockville outdoes itself. There's so much restaurants. Yeah. There really is. It is. Um, what do we get right? What does Rockville get right? So many things. <laughs> pick, pick one or two. Pick one or two. Um, two. I'll, I'll give you two. Um, Parks and Rec, or I should say Rex and Park, because I noticed in my presentation at City Academy that they say Recreation and Parks. Yeah. I don't know if they changed that after the sitcom or not, but, um, but we do get that right. 
um, the, the amount of green space, um, the amount of programming and I should not do that, but pickleball um, that is available. Um, I think that's a special thing that Rockville does that I want to invest into definitely. And it's, I mean, it's been a while, but when my son was, it seems like it, it was always affordable. Yes. Uh, you know, I mean, things changed. COVID changed a lot of things, but I know when my kid was going to Lincoln Park and Twin Brook Recreation mm -hmm. Centers and things like that, it was incredibly affordable. So I do have a gripe. Why do we have a dearth of bathrooms at city-run parks? It's an intentional decision, and I'm trying to understand why that decision was made. Is it just money, or is there a purposeful thing that they're doing to get people to avoid spending too much time at the park? That's fascinating. You're looking at me like I would know this question. Oh. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. It's expensive. It, I, I know that. It's expensive, and it has to be staffed because you have to have someone unlock it in the morning and lock it at night and clean it. So that's... The county does porta johns. Oh, that's yes. kind of gross. You know, can you see porta johns in the Rockville Park? I cannot. King Farm has one. Do they? Really? Yeah, they have one. And so the question I have is, that's why are we not going there? Because then people don't use the park for more than an hour and a half, two hours. Hmm. But that could be an intentional policy. This right. Event. If it's supposed to be walkable and you want to park in every neighborhood, you can yeah. go to your house. And I say that because I know from personal experience, people, I will invite them to Broom Park. They have four beautiful brand new pickleball courts. I just never saw them. They don't have bathroom facilities, so I'm not going to meet you there. Let's go to Bower Drive, which is a county-run facility. They have bathrooms there. Is it a bathroom or is it a port john It's a port john but they also have the Barrett Community yeah. Center, which does have bathrooms yeah. in it. And so then it made me realize, oh, Rockville City Parks don't have port johns or bathrooms and don't have community centers that can easily be used the most of them. So well, you know, so um, and it's available. Yeah, Julie Polakovich Carr is on the Rec and Parks Foundation board. Right. And maybe we should have her on. But it and could be. She's a woman with the right. Oscar about leadership. But it could be an intentional decision, right? Because then people be. avoid spending too much time at the park and it allows people yeah. to cycle through. That's so, a good question. Yeah. All right. Oh. So, okay, sorry. Now I'm going to be so hyper aware of that every time I go to any park. <laughs> Thanks, Jamie. <laughs> Making us reconsider our recreation choices. No, I love the parks, though. Right? A park within a mile of every resident. Or a it's mile amazing. And a half. Yeah. yeah, it is amazing. So, anyway. yeah, yeah. So, um, I've got an older one. You've got two teenagers. Jamie's got a seven-year-old daughter, and we all have we have a combination between us of daughters and sons. What just to finish out? Just to finish out our women in leadership. What do you want for your daughter? And how do you think that your son and your husband's lives are better because of Title IX? How are men's lives better because of Title IX? Well, I mean, I think men's lives are better because of Title IX because there's more competent, quality people sitting at the table and contributing to leadership and influence and decision-making. And that really is good. It's the best answer to that question I've had yet. Very good. <laughs> um, yeah. My, what do I want for my daughter? Anything and everything. Um, what I was thinking about um, when you mentioned Title IX, you know, I, I have been lucky enough um, because of Title IX and other things, because of other privileges I carry, that I, I really can't think of 
being excluded from an opportunity to be somewhere or to do a thing because because of because I'm a woman. But there there is it, that's not to say it doesn't happen. It does. <laughs> but yeah. I I. But there is still like another frontier to cross, um, which is sort of the art of influence. Like there's there's still a place where like, yeah, women can be there. Yeah, um, they have the opportunity. But there's a there's a subtle undercurrent in a lot of environments where you're there, but you don't have to let that influence. Even 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 in my life now, I still often see that um, what do they call it? Like a man has to translate. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, yeah. like, like I'll say something, and I know I said it clearly, and I know I was right, and nothing happens. And like three speakers later, a man says the exact same thing, and all of a sudden people heard it, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, that still happens. Even if you're at the table, even if you're equal footing, even if you've got the same job or the same pay or the same whatever, like there's still this subtlety. Um, so I, I hope my daughter enters the world in a place where we solve that problem too. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Jamie, do you have any other questions? Any other comments? No, I Jamie? think we hit, I think, you know, probably later in the year we might invite Kate back. Yeah. To see where we're at on certain things. Yeah. yeah. I'd appreciate it and be happy to. I'll make sure to have tried all the restaurants before I come back next time. <laughs> All right, Kate, what a delight to talk to you. Thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate the conversation. Thank you. This was fun.